Thanks for listening to Hanging With The Sotelis Podcast Con Mama and Dada It's a fast Gracias, Ariela. Familia, what are you passionate about and where does it come from? Both of those questions are very important pieces of how we are driven to succeed and how we can overcome fear and doubt. And today you'll hear the story of Alex Corral, a proud Mexican-American who is an executive producer and is creating TV series highlighting amazing Latinos. Yes, get ready, people. In mainstream general market media. Su historia es impresionante. Coming up next. Before we continue, I'd like to thank God for giving us another opportunity to hang out with you. My name is Edgar, a.k.a. Shaboy, and this is my wonderful wife, Janet. Hola, hola. Y queremos darle la bienvenida a nuestro amigo Alex Corral, a proud Mexican-American husband, father, CEO, executive Ooh. producer, and storyteller. And he's only 36. Y papá de tres. Vámonos, compadre. <laughs> and, and, a newborn, and a newborn, too. Right, Woo-hoo. Alex? And a Little League coach, man. Ahora soy oh. coach de Little League. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hace de todo, mi copa. Yeah. Hermano, thank you for joining us. I'm just personally and my wife, we're personally inspired by your journey and we want to share it with our listeners, your journey along with your wife and your family. We really want to focus in on this, hermano, and we'll dive into all the things you've accomplished and what you're diving into from executive producing and telling stories for Peacock original series, True Colors, highlighting eight amazing Latinos and Latinas, that have become trailblazers in Los Estados Unidos, like A-Rod, Mario Lopez. Um, I mean, you name Aguilar. it. So, so many people, mm-hmm. so many people, yeah. But at the end of the day, how is it that you take those leaps of faith in your career, in your personal life? How do you conquer fear? And how do you really go after what you really want in life? Because even if our listeners aren't necessarily wanting to become an executive producer or to partner up with Sports Illustrated or Netflix or anybody else or Peacock like you, like NBC, the same principles apply and the same challenges apply in all of our lives. Right. We struggle with fear. We struggle with doubt. We struggle with, am I good enough? Do I deserve something better in my life or do I just stay safe and keep doing what I'm doing now and not risk a lot? But in not risking a lot, we have the risk of not gaining as much rewards in life, right? So yeah. before we dive into that, tell us a little about your upbringing and where you were born and your familia. ¿Quién es Alex? ¿Y tú quién Who am eres? I? ¿Y tú quién well, eres? Um, I'm a, I say I'm a chameleon, dude, porque pues, I think one of the things that you know I've been blessed with is you know I grew up in a very humble family and you know I was born in LA you know my parents are paisanos o sea de mexicanos del de, de un pues del pueblo no o sea de rancho pues you know the reality is that you know I was blessed and fortunate enough to where the people before me meaning my grandfather and my father came to this country and it kind of laid down a great foundation I'm a product of hanging out being bicultural fully bicultural 
And when I mean bicultural, and I think that's really, you know, what I think gets me going is, you know, I can, you know, one the things that I enjoy the most in life is, you know, I, I there's nothing more that makes me more happy than than riding horses, dude, and charreando and, and, and being in a lienzo charro and listening to banda music and, you know, tumbando toros and, you know, that my, my upbringing, well, my summers were spent in, in La Sierra de Durango and El Pueblo de Mi Familia in Durango and the High Sierras. And we would go over there and there was no internet, no phone, going to the bathroom outside. I mean, you know, el olor a tierra mojada like the best smell on the planet you know and, <laughs> and then and then like that's like a really beautiful smell but then also like you know the hotel lobby of the polo lounge in beverly hills also smells really nice <laughs> <laughs> i love that uh, you, you you switched out lipiarte con hojas y piedras <laughs> with some beverly hills toilet paper hey, give yeah, me what dude, your name. <laughs> funny, dude. and a dude giving me a mint at the door you know what i mean but you know, o sea, pisteando con amigos, like, at the pole lounge or, you know, the back of a tailgate of a truck. Like, I'm happy in both worlds, right? And my grandfather, I'll tell you my story about my grandfather. So the name of my company is Joe Agency, and it's called Joe. And I'll tell you a little bit about the story, and it kind of summarizes who I am, right? My, my hero in life wasn't uh, Michael Jordan. It wasn't uh, Jorge Campos. It was literally Jose Corral Favela, my grandfather. And... Mm you know, my best friend, my role dog. Um, and, you know, when you think about it, dude, my grandfather's biggest problem in life, he told me his biggest problem in the U.S., his first problem in the U.S. He was an immigrant, uh, migrant farm worker, came here in the Bracero program, deported two, three times. Um, and I'll never forget, he told me, dude, my biggest problem, my first problem ever in the United States was, I was like, well, it's a money crisis. He's like, no. He's like, I came here with a couple bucks in my pocket. And my biggest problem was I crossed the border we got to this place where I was, you know, piscando, right? In La Pisca, you know, migrant farm worker. And they gave him a piece of cardboard. And he said, I didn't know if I should use the piece of cardboard to sleep on it because we were sleeping on an asphalt. He didn't know if you should sleep on the cardboard to protect him from the heat of the asphalt or if he should use it to cover himself from the mosquitoes. And I was like, damn, that's pretty, you know, deep, right? And you know, you think of that and when things get tough, which right now the pandemic is really tough and we'll get into that, but talking about being fearless, I mean, this is someone that, you know, left his country, left his wife, left his family. I mean, I'm at, I'm talking to you from my car outside of Little League practice. I'm sad when I miss Little League practice right now, right. let alone someone that just left the rancho and left his own family. Right. But I grew up with him. He, he, I was raised by my parents, obviously, and, and, and him, but, you know, we were a tight-knit family, and he had two kids, my dad and brother's other son, my dad, my deal passed away. So, you know, most Mexicans, we have like 50 million primos hermanos, you know, my primos hermanos were, were really, my yeah, really my second cousin, so it was like a lot more, but anyway, he migrates to the U.S., and I'll tell you a story, because that's where everything comes from, and I think everyone's going to relate to this, that our ancestors and, you know, our, you know, people that came before us, comes to the country, deported worked as a migrant farm worker, eventually worked his way up to being a, in the kitchens. What ends up happening is my grandfather works in the kitchens at what is now Boa Steakhouse. Back then it was called the Bellevue Restaurant. Yeah. And my grandfather worked in the restaurants as a dishwasher, worked his way up, busboy, eventually a server, and eventually became the chef of a very high-end French restaurant full of celebrities and everything in wow. Santa Monica. Mm, and it was back before being a chef was cool, dude. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was just like, you know, being a chef was a blue collar job until master chef came along and, right. you know, there was a food network, but and now before there's, all and that, now there's salt Bay, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, now it's salt bay. Total I mean, dude, that whole world, yeah. 
that whole world's transformed, man. And uh-huh. you know what? I will tell you that, you know, one thing that I took was, you know, he lived in a two bedroom apartment with my dad and his brother. He dealt with the death of my uncle. He passed away at children's hospital. And then mm. you have my, um, you have my dad and my grandfather worked in two jobs. My dad never really had a relationship with my grandfather because my grandfather was, was always working. Mm. And, you know, my grandfather was a dude that worked his ass off, saved every penny, right? Didn't get a handout, was here illegally, was petrified of getting deported. And it was in Santa Monica. And now what ended up happening was one day his the apartment building they were in was up for sale. And the landlord pulled my dad aside and my dad brokered and translated the real estate transaction. He was like 13, 14 years old. And the landlord goes up to my dad and goes, hey, you guys should purchase this building. And he goes, well, why? He goes, because you're dad works a million hours a week Mm. and he doesn't spend a penny. I know he can, and he's been a tenant and always pays on time. And I know that he could afford this building. So he purchased this building for pennies and the building he purchased was in the inner city of Santa Monica, believe it or not, Santa Monica, Venice, Culver city had a hood. And the barrio here was the Sureño gangs. And there was a couple of Crip gangs here. And he ended up purchasing the building. And when he purchased the building, he was like, this is great. I'm going to put my life savings into this. The rents will take care of it. And eventually he was able to buy across the street. Then he bought next door. And he's like, look, I'm just going to keep purchasing in the barrio porque aquí puedo cobrar las rentas en español. Ay, qué lindo. Sí. And he ended up doing that. And luckily it was Santa Monica, Ninth and Pico, just right off of the beach. And, wow. you know, now obviously ni se diga lo que es Santa Monica en Venice. But, you know, it was full of like the gang members and, you know, we had a lot of cholos in the neighborhood and all this stuff. And, you know, needless to say, I was never hungry. I was given like a really a good, a good head start. And, you know, one of the, the head starts that I had in life really was that my grandfather and my parents raised me. I thought we were poor growing up. I, I didn't know that, you know, my grandparents had money. I had no idea right. my dad had money. Um, I grew up ex- thinking we were poor. You know, it was a a thing where we would get one pair of shoes every time we go to school. And my grandfather, constant reminder of how hard he works. And, and my grandfather, last time I went to work with him, he was 83 years old. He died at 88. He was 85 years old. And I went to unclog my last toilet with him. He had several apartment units. After a while, when he retired from cooking, he just became a full-time plumber. I mean, this guy would rent his apartments. He would paint them. My grandma was with him, listening to Juan Gabriel and painting every unit when people would run out. You know, eventually, you know, he became my first investor later on in life. And I'll touch back to that. But eventually what ended up happening, his tenants, you know, when Facebook moved in here and all these people moved into um, Santa Monica and Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and all these things, his tenants went from paisas to white. And, you know, it went from calling him Don Jose to Joe, wow. right? And the neighborhoods of Santa Monica and Venice, it gentrified. And my grandfather's story was seen as, you know, I, I saw it transform before my eyes. I was like, These people are calling my grandfather Joe. <laughs> the point is, the whole thing was that my grandfather's been my hero. And every I always wanted to be like him. And our summers were spent in una casa de adobe in Mexico, where I spent my summers in that adobe house riding horses you know with his my tios his brothers bajando ganado and you know going to charreadas and things like that and you know i grew a big passion for horses and it's funny because i look back at it now and i'm like damn my parents did a really good job of raising us in terms of you know really humbling us so i remember school would come and we'd go back to school shopping and it'd be like you're getting one pair of shoes that's it 
Wow. And until they had holes in them, you weren't getting new ones. And the second they were ripped, they'd buy us new, new shoes. But what I noticed is that I always hung out with people that looked like me. So, and that lived near us and we would, you know, we, I always lit, I always hung out with the Mexican kids, right? Mm-hmm. I hung out with the Mexicans and, you know, us bochos, you know, we're either paisas or gangsters, right? It's kind of, you go to prison, dude, like sureño or paisa, right? You got to yeah, choose, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So I played sports and sports was pretty diverse because we played with white boys, black kids. We played with Hispanics, played a little bit of everything. But in terms of playing baseball, I played baseball all the way into college. I was pretty competitive in baseball. Wow. And, you know, I had a big passion for sports and like, nunca me faltaba nada. But um, I never had an excess of everything, anything. Nunca te faltaba nada, pero nunca te sobraba nada tampoco. Because yeah. they kept you humble. They kept you with those roots also, right? Like, you're not, yeah. you're not necessarily privileged. Mm-hmm. You got to earn right. all these things. And that's amazing, man. Yeah. I, really, I really appreciate that, how well-rooted your family made you. And even took you to go work to fix the toilets of these tenants and so on and so forth. And tu abuelo, right? Joe, Jose, went from... Not knowing what to do with a piece of cardboard when he came to the U.S., me tapo en contra los mosquitos o lo uso para dormir encima. At one point, owned tons of properties. And now Alex is the mayor for Santa Monica. I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah, Alex. But, but how do you apply everything you learned from your abuelo Joe with your kids now? How do you see, like, so, your you abuelo know, come out in you? Like, So I, I see it because, you know, my grandfather one day me enseñó sus manos y todos en calle, así, you know, and stuff like that it, he said mira mis manos he had really rough hands and he'd be like mira yo tengo mis manos así para que tú trabajes con tu cerebro y no con tus manos wow oh. i was like damn was, you know thank you you're right and in his favorite i know that his favorite pastime was hanging out with me mm. so Dude, we rode horses together, dude. We would go to Charriaz. He was my roller. We'd bump Antonio Aguilar. We'd bump mm-hmm. Pedro Infante, Chente, like, you know, all this stuff, right? And Chalino Sanchez, Ramon Ayala. I mean, that's what I grew up. I grew up listening to Piolín, dude. I remember <laughs> when your <laughs> brother got, like, literally, like, every Hispanic on the planet to not go to work. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in college at the time. And they were like, yeah, students, you got students got to go to school, though. And it was kind of like one of those things. It was like, dude, that was a movement, dude. I was so proud. And it's funny. I'm not even saying that because we're on the show. It was just more like I, that was one of those things in my career that in, when I went into my professional career, that was like it really stuck with me. Right. It was against yeah, uh, dude. Pete Wilson. And was this when everybody was wearing white? And the proposition yeah. that was against uh, undocumented immigrants here yeah. in California and the racism that was going on and. Yeah, that was very inspiring. And um, Mi Carnal yeah, did a lot was, along with, with so many people that supported that day. Over a million people in white shirts. Mm-hmm. And you know what was I was most proud of that day, Alex? And it's something very simple. But at the end of that marcha of over a million people, no quedó ni un pedazo de basura. We all picked up after ourselves because that was one of the big messages. Hey, we're going to do this marcha in support of immigrants, but we're going to leave the streets clean as well. To yeah. represent who we are, that wherever we walk through, we leave things better mm-hmm. than how they were. And that's really the mission of us as immigrants, right? Tu abuelo left things better than when he got here. Uh, rest yeah. in peace, right? And como decimos muchas veces, babe, nuestros padres inmigraron para sobrevivir. Ahora nosotros tenemos que sobresalir, mm-hmm. right? Our parents or our ancestors came to this country to, to be able to survive. Now we got to thrive on their shoulders, right? They're lifting us up, hermano. And I hear you getting emotional when you speak about your grandfather, Alex. Why is it that emotion comes over you so much? 
in regards to him? Um, you know, I guess to answer your question, why am I getting emotional? It's, it's been tough, dude. It's been tough up until, you know, right about now, like, you know, you, you're asking, how do you get through things? Right. And we're getting through a pandemic and, you know, there's been times where I've questioned my faith. I've questioned my essence. I've questioned, you know, my ability to continue to fight the good fight to represent our people on screen and, and in the industry and the, and the work that I do. And it's been hard. It's been really hard. And, you know, in, in Hollywood, it's all about credits. Who do you know? What have you done? What have you produced? Going to pitch stories, going to pitch shows. People that don't look like you are telling you that your story is inauthentic, right? And, you know, you fight that. And it wasn't until I did a lot of work, like True Colors, that you see it on the surface and you're like, wow, this is like great work, right? And, you know, I unfortunately have had the privilege to work on both general market side and, and the Hispanic side of the multicultural side of content. And the budget disparities are insane. I could tell you that, you know, just working on MasterChef and Biggest Loser, which is big shows for NBC and Fox, I, I worked on bringing in advertisers to that. I mean, one integration, a 15-second branded integration into that show would cost, you know, three times as much as maybe total spend across an entire network sometimes in Hispanic. Wow. And the numbers, the ratings are very similar and the same. There's not a lot of difference. It's just... So what happens is now you're looking at our stories and our platforms, which is traditionally the Univisions and Telemundos of the world and the Hispanic broadcasters that don't have the budget to tell original content and shot here. Everything has to be shot in Mexico. Everything has to be shot in Latin America. It's like, dude, that's not reflective of me, though. That's not who I am. It's so part it wasn't of who we so are, but not fully who we are, right? Right. It's not. We're a whole new breed. Like, it's funny because I go to Mexico, right? Tengo caballos en México, así. Tengo muchas amistades allá, así. Y pues yo, la verdad, o sea, soy pochito y así. La gente, ah, ja, 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 este güey no dijo esto bien en el español. Güey, te equivocaste. Lo dijo mal. I could tell you funny stories about, like, sometime, one time I had a, una cena de gala con charros y llegó una señora que de hecho era la querida de un señor así muy de respeto, un patrón. Y oye, don Juan, pásale, don Juan, a comer. And I remember it was buffet style. I fed everyone and You know, it was a big event that we did, a big charreada, corporate sponsors, a whole nine. And, and the lady, the guy walks in and goes, Alex, gracias por la comida. And I was going to serve myself. You know, como buen anfitrión, me wow. serví el último, ¿no? Y llega este señor tarde, llega con la querida, oh, pásale, señora sinvergüenza, pásale, señora sinvergüenza. <laughs> y todo así, no mames, cabrón, pendejo, ¿qué le estás diciendo? Es la señora de Don Juan. And I'm like, pues sí, pásale, señora sinvergüenza. And this This dude said, yeah, ya viejito, nadie le, nadie le dijo que ya estaba muerto el viejillo, pero la señora tiene unos veintitantos años, la chava, y, o sea, le quedó como anillo al dedo, pero yo de pochito, I was just like, sin vergüenza, o sea, sin pena, pues. Uh -huh. right? sin, sin pena, but you said it todo corrido, so it was literally no, like, sí. you, you were labeling, labeling her. La like, señora sin vergüenza. This woman oh. with no shame. Hilarious. The lady yeah. with no shame, but it was like. You know, con confianza, come on in. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> literally it. But look, if that was a TV scene, okay, and we had to shoot this in Mexico, they wouldn't get it. Right. <laughs> that's an that's a U.S. Ex Hispanic experience, right? Yeah. And I think that our stories need to be told. And the problem is you go to networks, you go to all this stuff, and you go pitch your stories, and it's like, oh, you don't fit my box. Mm -hmm. 
Hispanic. Oh, you got to go to Latin American department. So wait, dude, you're telling me 60 plus million is people in this country is a big audience. I have to travel 3000 miles south to go pitch this. This makes no sense. Just it's just like that. Right. And we see certain things on, on shows and networks. It's like, all right, man, I get it. We get the representation. I, I do feel like there's some usual suspects out there in terms of storytelling. But it's like we need to really get our true stories out there authentically. And the reason I get emotional to bring this up is because COVID almost bankrupted me, dude. COVID almost bankrupted me. It's really hard to let go of people who had like 30 employees and went down to like three employees. Wow. Um, and, and we just got out of this little rut. We just got out of it. So I'm really emotional because everything just came to fruition and we stuck with it. And, you know, we have some pretty big announcements coming and, and we're working with, you know, a lot of cool people. And, 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 you know, we have, you know, I, I, and I'll go back to my grandfather and, you know, I, I'll, I'll never forget dude. One of the last time car rides I had with my grandfather, one of our last times driving home together in a car by ourselves, I knew my grandfather was going to pass away. And I go, well, what is tu canción favorita? Oof. And, I was like, dude, I for sure know, dude. It's El Moro de Cumpas, Antonio Aguilar. Or it's going to be some Antonio Chente song. De, de charros, así. ¿Y cuál es? Se llama El Canto del Bracero by Pedro Infante. Oh. That I, have, I had never listened to at the time. Yeah. El Canto del Bracero is a song that actually sounds like a luau, like a Hawaiian song. And yeah. Is this it right here? That's it. A ver, vamos a escuchar. Cuando yo me fui pa'l norte, me crucé por California. Yo no tenía cartilla ni pasaporte, ni amigos ni palancas en migración, pero me colé con resolución. I was like, that's crazy. And I was like, what? Who are you right now? Like, you've never even brought this song up. Mm -hmm. Well, he was like, pues, nunca tenías el, el cassette. O sea, I never had the tape, <laughs> dude. Like, it was just like, well, you know, now at this time, Spotify was out. It was only a couple of three years ago. I was like, dude, this is insane. Then you listen to my, my compadre de Muñoz, compuso la canción La Casita by Banda MS, El Corrido Juanito. Yeah. Very similar songs, just, you know, with the new stuff. And there's stories of our experiences, right? And using El Corrido Juanito, I'm like, dude, this is my grandfather's song. And that, this is the OG Corrido Juanito, right? Yeah. When I listened to all that. El Corrido like, de Joe. Exacto. <laughs> El Corrido de Joe, yeah, dude. And what ended up happening is like, I always taken my grandfather's experience, always so present to me. My, my screenshot on my phone is us holding hands. But I'll tell you this, dude, to, to tie it back to work and to everyone else, like he's not the only one that struggled. There's everyone, everyone, everyone that crossed the border struggled. Every, that's a very uncomfortable experience. The Mexican immigration experience, we represent 70 percent. And this is what motivates me. At the end of the day, I am determined to put our people and shed positive light on Latinos in the U.S. There, there's, I've never experienced racism in Santa Monica. I never experienced racism. I experienced basically classism, right? The people thought, assumed that we were broke. The most racist experiences I've ever had 
have been either at really high levels in corporate roles where I just me, me la trago. No me aguito de nada. O sea, my grandfather was dealing with mosquitoes and hot asphalt. Like uh, some guy calling me, you know, you know, you Mexicans or saying something like that. That's pretty rude or insulting. O sea, to, para nada. Just play by the game and get ahead. That's what my grandfather did. Didn't complain. Put your head down. Go to work. Enjoy your family. You know, where I do think that we fall at short as a community is is, you know, really understanding the power of generational wealth. Like these white guys, oh, trust fund babies. There's nothing wrong with a trust fund. Like you saving up your money so that your next generation get ahead. Hopefully your grandkids could save it and do better and double it and triple it. And, you know, como dice Jay-Z, right? You double your money and make it stack. That happens through generations of being like, cuida el dinero, do this, do that, be smart. I love how he has so yeah. much passion for everything that he does. You know how you, you mentioned that you're a chameleon? You have so much passion for everything and you don't give up. And I love that. And as a Mexicana, like like you, Mexicano, how do you give advice to somebody that might be going through something similar, you know? Because it's very relatable. Your story, like, gave me goosebumps. Going through something similar in regards to it. Como que quieren lograr algo and they're like, man, we're stuck. I don't know where to go. Like, how do you keep going? What's your why? What keeps you motivated? How do you keep going? What's your why? What keeps you motivated? Well, it's simple. I've I've had, you know, horror story when things are great, highs, lows and everything. Right. And everything that i do is is with a purpose what i'm hearing is your passion is what's gotten you through your fears and also having that example in your abuelo grandpa joe jose and what he went through and you constantly kind of remind yourself i can't compare my struggles to his and if he was able to make it then i gotta make it para que su sacrificio no sea en vano right like i don't want our ancestors sacrifices to be in vain. And I can relate with you in regards to that. Cause I don't want my parents sacrifice. I'm an immigrant myself. Right. But my parents are the ones that brought me here and the ones that really had to sacrifice a lot more than I did. Right. Exactly. I was five years old and igual que tú, bro, nunca nos hizo falta nada, pero tampoco nos sobraba mucho, <laughs> you know, but I think that's, what's so important. And for those of you listening right now, what is your true passion? And you got to do things with the purpose and be intentional about it to represent your familia, to represent your culture. And, at some point in time, we got to stop being the victim of, man, no, nobody gives us a seat at the table Society, because we're Latinos. Yeah. And let's go build the table. Mm. Build our own table. Preach. And our own chair. And <laughs> like Alex has done, right? And and be able to create these stories. And thank you for highlighting so many Latinos in your stories uh, so we can get it out there in the mainstream media. And I'm also, and Janet, we're passionate about that, right? So thank you for, for sharing that, hermano. And real quick, a couple of your projects that you have going on in a few sentences, what are they and what is their purpose? And Fuego Now, what what is that for you and what is its purpose? So we're rolling out next week, actually, with our first original content uh, platform in partnership with Sports Illustrated. But yeah, I think I'll just summarize everything we kind of talked about. Like my passion is representing our culture representing our people and, and, and the breaking down these stereotypes and having a platform to create a platform to actually show people that we're more than just, you know, guacamole, salsa, tacos, and, you know, the typical stereotypes, even though we love guacamole, salsa, and tacos. Far too often, they see 
us as what we've portrayed on television, right? And mm-hmm. how we're portrayed. That's our only education and of us. That's it. And it's like, all right, let's talk about A-Rod. Let's talk about Jay. Let's talk about these people that have made it to entertainment. But let's tell the human interest side of things. And, you know, on the content side for sports, you know, my, my biggest passion project, I only work around things that I love, right? So you're going to see horses, you know, food and, you know, uh, horses, food and sports, right? And, and now kids, right? I'm, I'm, we're, we're launching a kids platform. Awesome. And we're doing that with, with Dave Roberts. We're doing it with head coach of the Dodgers or working, you know, been working with Major League Baseball and stuff. So so essentially what Enfuego is, I realize is that, you know, you've heard of Complex, right? Yes. Complex and News. Complex, Complex is, yeah. you know, those founders are great. They were like, look, we need to represent African-American culture. We influence pop culture. We influence sneaker culture. We influence fashion. And I was like, you know what? That's That's amazing. Like, I love the fact that these guys are like, I need to put my culture on the map. And I realized that I'm at the intersection of creating content and working with brands. And I said, you know, we need to figure out a publisher that's going to be a platform that's going to promote Mexican culture. And Enfuego is a platform. And by the way, Enfuego is defined by the Urban Dictionary <laughs> as any person or thing that is cool and awesome. <laughs> and I love it. like our thing is to create a platform to tell human interest stories of underrepresented communities and shed a positive light on our communities and give people another perspective on our spending power. Let us flaunt the things we want to flaunt. Mm. And, and Fuego is this platform where people are going to be able to sound off. We look at, you know, Edwin from Fiedemann, those guys, they love baseball. Yep. Julio Diaz and Culichi coming out. Dodger Stadium during the playoffs. Mariachi. Take me out to the ball game played by Mariachi. That is the, sh- that is the dish <laughs> for me, man. Absolutely. Like we, we, and yet, and yet they're telling us that it's not Hispanic sports. Like, nah, that's it. We're, no, we're more than just soccer. I'm and so positive that your abuelito from heaven is just like, ese es mijo. Y seguramente está escuchando una buena yeah. rola. Y sí. You're making him so proud. We are so proud of you. And, and, and it's so inspiring. And thank you for hanging out with Los Otelos because this is what it's about. A platform to share and continue to grow each, with each other, right? Yeah, so thank you so much, Absolutely. Alex, for well, taking the for time. Me. We'll be um, in contact and uh, uh, tune in to us. We're, we're doing our hard launch. We're coming out in two weeks, and, and we'll be uh, with our original series, our original content finally rolling out. So, What are the uh, handles right now, so people can follow you? In, at Enfuego Now. Right now it's a coming soon page. It's been a soft launch, but okay. uh, we're now ready to roll out, and we, it, we're, we're you, really happy to, to bring it to the stage and, and finally give, you know, more Latinos, you know, more sports content that is above and beyond just the score of the game. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alex Corral. Follow at Enfuego on Instagram, social media, familia, and really your passion, what you can break through that fear and that doubt to go after your dreams is remembering the sacrifice from your past, but also remember that you're building generational wealth, not just financial, but emotional and intellectual wealth. And that should drive us as well, is dejar a nuestros hijos in a better situation than what we were in, right? Yeah. Emotionally, spiritually, and financially. So And always be proud of where you come from. Yes, <laughs> y mantenerte humilde. Exactly. Mantenerte humilde. And when things, get, when things get tough, our people that cross the border first, they risk their lives for us. Wow. And they risk their lives crossing that border. And... There's no fear. They, they, that was the ultimate fear. Everything else over here is just, just the mind game. So keep on trucking, man. It all works out. I promise you that. 
Amen to that, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you Saludos. for thinking me. We'll talk soon. Órale, pues. Ánimo. Bendiciones. Bye. Adiós. Que Dios los bendiga. Adiós. Igualmente, gracias. What a cool story, babe. Wow. I just wanted to keep hearing more and more and more and more and more. Así es. Muchísimas gracias, familia, for hanging out with us. Thank you for the reviews that you leave on Apple Podcasts, for sharing our podcast. Honestly, we're just so grateful. And if you want to connect with us, you can follow us on social media. On hashtag Losotelos or Losotelos.com. Remember to love, serve, and celebrate each other. Los queremos mucho. Bendiciones. Thanks for listening to Hanging With Losotelos it's the best day over. 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 It's the best day over.